hello, hello, everybody. Welcome, my lovely friends. Hope you guys are all having a fantastic day. Happy Wednesday. You made it halfway through the week. Congratulations. We're almost to holiday break. Some of you are probably already on holiday breaks from work, um, but uh, I am really excited about today's happy hour. I've got a guest that I admittedly don't know a whole heck of a lot about. I met uh, Kristen very briefly when we did an episode that's me coming up soon on Motor Trend, and, uh, and I knew I liked her right off the bat, and so I asked her to come and be on the show. She is an automobilist and she has done a ton of really cool stuff, total automotive nerd, um, and there she is, yay! Hello, lovely, how are you? Hello, thank you for having me. Absolutely, I'm super excited that you said yes. <laughs> I mean, I, it's an opportunity to drink with someone, so. <laughs> right, and we can't turn those down these days. <laughs> I know, cheers. What are you drinking? I am drinking a Lambrusco, which is okay. It's not the best one I've had. Have you had it before? Mm -mm. It's um, it's an Italian sparkling red wine, and people usually drink them in the summer. Okay, but I'm weird, and I just I like fizzy things, so <laughs> that's right. why. Fair, fair enough. Well, I have heard that New York, because you're in New York right now, right? I assume um, has been having uncharacteristically warm weather. It's funny you say that because there's currently a blizzard right now. Oh, just kidding. Yeah. Because the other day I was talking to my mom and she was like, it's just as warm. Like the temperature was the same in New York as it was here, which is annoying because we've come to Arizona to get away from the cold. It was in the 60s uh, on Sunday, which was gorgeous. And now it's snowing and we're supposed to get like 10 inches or something. Ew. So and I know. That's why I don't live in. Oh, I just got a weird low battery warning. Apparently, That's why you don't live in New York. It's a good reason to not live here. Yeah, no, 100%. Sorry, I just got a low battery warning because I forgot to plug my phone in like an idiot. So let's take care of that so we don't have that issue. Um, yeah, no, I've been thinking about New York a lot, especially after we were on our call together. And I was like, oh, man, I miss New York. I miss Brooklyn, but I don't <laughs> miss those winters. <laughs> no, because when it snows, the sidewalks become unwalkable. And then there's that like one little shovel width of sidewalk for everyone to use. And the snow is all piled up on either side. And it's yeah. like you either walk in the snow or you fight people to walk in that little path, which is always frozen over. Totally. <laughs> totally. So you're awesome. not missing anything. No. And oh, have you belated, by the way? Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. And thank you to everybody out there who's watching who wished me a happy birthday as well. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I remember the day that I decided I didn't want to live in New York anymore. I was like, that was the moment was when we had some crazy blizzard. I lived in a brownstone in Brooklyn. So, you know, like the, the brownstone style, it was like 10 stairs up or whatever, right? And this yeah. blizzard was so bad. It was like 2002 or three, maybe. And I walked out of the front stoop, down three of the stairs, and then out onto the roof of my car. And I was like, mm, yeah, no, I'm done. <laughs> Those were so, I love that you bring, bring that up because, you know, you walk down a Brooklyn street and it's like, oh, look at how idyllic it is. It's so beautiful. And then you're like, have you tried carrying stuff up and down those stairs? It's like, you come home, you're already tired. You probably uh -huh. look at walk-up because those are all walk-ups. But mm -hmm. before you even get to the walk-up, you have to climb like a whole story of stairs. Totally. But it is nice. I loved Brooklyn. 
But anyway, we're not here to talk about Brooklyn. (laughs) So I would like for you to introduce yourself to to everybody who's watching who may not know you. Um, I've told them that you're an automotive journalist. I've told them the litany of amazing places that you've you've worked and written for and what you've done. Um, But I want to kind of, absolutely. I mean, come on, you've got quite the rap sheet, like Road and Track, you have Jalopnik for forever, now you're Business Insider. The Drive on NBC, the list goes on, I'm sure, that I don't even know about. Um, but how did you, like, how did this story begin? <laughs> so um, I guess it starts with my parents because they were always like, hey, do what you love, just make sure you're good at it. And, <laughs> sure. uh, yeah, it sounds like very, like, deceptively simple advice, but mm-hmm. it, it is, like, kind of difficult because, like, Oh, so you like this? How do you monetize it? All that. So it's like a lot of pressure from early on. But thankfully, when I was um, a little kid, like my dad introduced me to like cars. Um, So I started asking him all these questions, like why are certain cars more special than others? I started looking out for them, and that love never really went away. So on top of that, one of the only things I was good at in college was writing. (laughs) So like I, I hit like sophomore year, I was like, all right, so what am I going to do at the end of this? Like, how can I make a job out of the things that I'm good at and the things I like doing? And I was like, well, I like cars and I like writing. Why don't I just put the two of them together and see what happens? That's a job, right? Hmm. Um, so my friends and I were like, okay, well, let's go out and we'll shoot uh, a YouTube video about, about, uh, about a BMW. So we did that. And like, not to, you know, be, let not to like brag, but the video was quite good. Um, the production <laughs> value was really good. Um, and I hosted it and we did that. We're like, you know what? This is fun. Like, let's, let's try to like push this out there and get people to notice. And I was a sophomore at the time. And then um, like the, the video actually got like half a million views or something. Oh, wow. uh, people really liked it. So I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm good at this. I know how to do this. So I uh kind of just started pursuing that. So a lot of my extracurriculars, I was cold emailing automotive journalist writers and editors oh, wow. being like, hey, can I intern with you? Like, can I hang out? Like, what um, what can I do to, to be a part of this? Um, and while I was networking and doing that, I was also writing my own blog, um, just keeping in practice and writing and everything because, you know, writing is a muscle and you have to train it as with everything else. So I was kind of honing my voice and practicing my photography and everything. And also if an editor ever came knocking, I was like, oh, here's this whole body of work. I can show you right here. This is what I'm about. Nice. So by graduation time, I was like, okay, so I know a few people in the industry. We met at the auto show. Um, I have all like this body of writing. I had been a contributor for DuPont registry. Like I was helping them with news blogs and things that I was like okay I've got a byline I'm ready so I sent out emails to everyone like are you hiring do you need someone let me know no one responded I must have sent out dozens and dozens of emails and no one responded and I was like okay uh I guess <laughs> we'll think of plan b and plan b was um what's the closest thing I can do to automotive journalism automotive PR so I found a job at an agency that had a automotive account um, and that was just to like keep the money rolling in. Um, but the whole time I was doing that, I kept my eyes open for any sort of writing job that would come along. And one did come along and it was the road and track job. 
And I knew Road and Track was based in Michigan and I was in New York at the time, but I was like, they want this job in New York, which means that there is a New York branch. So I went through the entire Road and Track masthead to see who was based in New York. I found the editors based in New York and I went and like bugged the shit out of them. Like I just emailed and I was like, hey, I sent in a job application and nothing happened. Can I follow up on it? Can you answer some questions? I blah, blah, blah. love it. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, oh, um, cool. Uh, actually, we're in the midst of, you know, hiring a new, um, like, site director. So when he starts, why don't you email him? So I was like, okay. So I emailed him. And I was like, again, hi, <laughs> hire me. <laughs> Here's all my writing. I'm willing to work very hard. Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay, let's do an interview. So I did an interview. And I got the job. And I was like, Oh my God, that was awesome. <laughs> I didn't expect it to happen, but I was like, okay, that's great. So I worked at Road and Track for six months. Um, and then I went to Jalopnik after that for four years. Uh, I left actually this past April and I started a business insider in April. So that's about the extent of all of this. That's awesome. I have so many questions. Um, yes. So first I wanna like, I wanna go back like, what did your dad do in the, was he in the automotive industry or did he just like cars? He just likes cars. Okay. So you were he like always coming at it from that perspective of like how they drive, how they look. Yeah, exactly. Um, by the time, I actually can trace it back to this point. So when I turned 10, my dad was in the market for a new car um, and he got a 2002 Mercedes C32. Okay. And I was like, okay, so, and he was explaining, he's like, okay, so this is a little different from, you know, all the rest of the cars, because it's like AMG, and I was like, oh, what does AMG mean, and all these things, and he started explaining to me, and I thought it was very, very interesting, so I started paying attention more, and of course, he was like, oh, this is great, because he likes to, you know, pay attention to cars and read magazines, too, so he started buying me magazines, nice. um, and really just, like, encouraging this new hobby or passion. Um, That's awesome. And then eventually my knowledge like outstripped his is, is what happens when, when like, you were you... first exploring and like getting into cars, were you like, obviously it sounds like your parents were super supportive of it. Was, was there any, like any resistance from your social circle or were people like, Oh, why are you into that? It was all totally copacetic. No. Yeah, awesome. yeah. Yeah. Um, my friend group in high school, they were very much like supportive of each other. So everyone was like, oh, yeah, she just likes cars. And then they were like, Kristen, what's that car? What's that one called? Tell me about that one. So, you know, at first it wasn't even writing. It, I thought I was going to be like an automotive designer because I like to draw. Nice. And then I realized I actually can't draw to save my life. So <laughs> we need to switch mediums. I will paint with my words now. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and as lovely validation of your car nerdness and thorough knowledge of them, I just, I, I stumbled on, I was like looking for pictures of you and I stumbled on your Jay Leno thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my God, so cool. So for those of you who don't know this, Jay Leno does a stump a car nerd bit and Kristen was one of the guests and you totally like aced it and did awesome. I didn't think I was going to do that well. Really? Because I was emailing with their producers before. I was like, do I need to, like, brush up on anything? They're like, oh, no, no, no. The point is not to, like, you know, make you look dumb on TV or anything. Right. So we'll, you know, we'll pick cars that, you know, we think that you'll understand and you'll get. Yeah. I was like, okay, great. Because <laughs> my, my knowledge starts from, like, 2002 and goes to about now. Anything before that is, right. is much harder for me to identify. So the first car, I actually guessed it before we left the parking lot 
You and, played it off really well. Well, it's because it's because Jay was like, all right, you guessed it too fast. I was like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, just some, let's drive around for a little bit and pretend like you don't know what it is. I was like, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's I'm sorry. awesome. <laughs> was well, it cool working with him? Yeah, he's really nice. Um, the most fun was actually when we had finished all of our segments and we were just kind of like sitting there and we were just talking about cars. And, you know, he's this super famous, like super well-known dude. And he's happy to just sit there and talk cars with you. And we pulled back up to his studio and there was this couple waiting there because I guess they figured out where the address was or something. And they were just waiting there. And, you know, he pulls up. He's like, hey, MJ, thanks so much for coming by. Where are you guys from? Uh, you know, um, what are you doing? What do you have at home? What do you drive? And he's like being so nice. And we were there for like five minutes. He's like, all right, sorry, guys, I got to go. Uh, I got a big day in front of me. And they're like, okay. And I was like, actually go and do that he's like it is a small price to pay um to awesome. do what i do and i was like you know what that's true that's very true that's awesome to hear very cool i dig it i would totally suck at that game by the way like there i don't know about that you were super good on gif talkers i was not yeah you were <laughs> I am totally that person who's like, I don't know what it is, but I know how to fix it, right? Like, I don't care. People ask me all the time and I get made fun of for it relentlessly because they're like, you know, what's your favorite kind of car to drive or favorite kind of car to work on? And I'm like, I don't really care. Is it broken? Can I fix it? Can I work on it? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I just never, I'm such an atypical car person in that sense. Like, I like the working on. Not and I love cars. I think they're great, but I cars go by and I can maybe tell you if it's a Honda or a Toyota or a, like I'm you know what? No, 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 no. That's that's actually great because when the lineup for that episode of Shift Talkers, which you guys will see later when it goes on air, yes, when I that was announced, I didn't know who you were, so I was like googling all the people. I was like, oh my god, everyone is a wrencher here. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. Like, I know how to change tire. I can do that. And, <laughs> That's good. But besides that, I'm like, I know when I need new brakes, and then I'll have my guy Mike Dornick fix it for me. <laughs> but, but we're gonna get you out. We're gonna get you out on the build, and we're gonna get your hands dirty and get you working. On yeah, no, stuff. I would. I would really <laughs> love it. I really would. And you can actually teach me how to weld like correctly. Well, I don't know about correctly. I'm not great at welding either, but we will have plenty of welders in house and people who can teach you correctly. I just know how to make two pieces of metal stick together. Not necessarily very pretty. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. That's fine. Mine didn't even like stick together. We welded, <laughs> like it was like a flat piece and then we put one on top like this uh -huh. and then we put it on the garage floor and then like hit it with a crowbar and it just broke apart. Broke apart. <laughs> I can help you with that. That part I got, I can help you with that. <laughs> Yeah, to answer the comment that just came in, that was David. That was my adventure with David Tracy. Sorry, that's all right. <laughs> um, what were we talking about? Um, uh, an adventure. Oh, welding. With somebody. Oh, um, he was my old coworker at at uh, Jalopnik. He was our resident wrencher. Okay. Um, and we had this idea where it's like, okay, Kristen, you don't know anything about wrenching. Why don't you come out? And I have this hundred dollar wrench. Uh, <laughs> welder from harbor freight okay and uh let's mess around with it i was like okay great <laughs> so just like the two of us in the garage and i was like shouldn't this be ventilated he's like oh good point <laughs> so, 
So we, like, cracked the door a little bit. And, then, like, there was only, like, one helmet mask. So one person was facing the wall when the right. other person was doing the welding. You know, it was so janky. Yeah. But nobody died. Well, that's good. That's a good thing. I, it's always a, a good standard to meet is the nobody dying factor. <laughs> and everyone has their fingers. That's good. That's good. Last time we were on camera together, I had just smashed my finger with a hammer. Yes. And then yesterday, I tried to slice that same finger off with a knife. So apparently, like, you're the bad luck here, because every time I'm about to go on camera with you, something happens to my finger. <laughs> were you, like, cooking, or...? I was slicing bread, like, something totally lame. My mom makes homemade bread, um, and so I she brought some to me for my birthday, and I was cutting it and cut my fingertip off. Yay, me. <laughs> Are you okay? I'm totally fine. Okay. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. No, no, no. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. Okay. So I want to talk um, about when you went to Jalopnik because I read, um, I read a little article that you did kind of talking about your early days with Jalopnik and kind of adjusting to, to that environment and how you adapted. And so tell, tell us a little bit about that. So it's really different writing for Jalopnik. And I think the chief reason for that is because the readers are a community in and of themselves. Um, and I had never written for any publication that was so closely scrutinized by such a knowledgeable group of people before. Because when I was writing for Road and Track, it was like, you know, my bosses and stuff and the occasional person would email if I said something really, really bad. But at Jalopnik, there is a lively comment section and all of their comments are right under your article. So all anyone has to do is scroll, like read, they read your thing and then they scroll down. And if it's like the first 20 commenters are like, this is bullshit and she's wrong, then you feel really bad. So that was kind of like scary to go into, yeah. but it also makes you, it challenges you to be better and it challenges you to have the most airtight of arguments. Um, the other thing that Jalopnik makes you do is it makes you throw punches, but you have to be able to back them up, um, which is a really, really important thing when you're writing for the internet because it's so snappy, it's so fast. Anybody can have an opinion. Yeah. Yours has to be a, an informed one that you know people agree with. And that's kind of how you command that voice of authority. So I feel like it helped me. It helped solidify, solidify my voice. Um, one of the other things Jalopnik really, really wants is writers with takes and opinions because people go to Jalopnik not just to read Jalopnik, but to see what Jalopnik has to say right. about certain things. So that's important. Um, it was good. It was a good place to learn how to write for the internet. It was not kind at times, um, and it was pretty scary at others, but like, you know, you have to take some risk to get some reward. Yeah. So it was, uh, I, it was, it was really wonderful to have that in my career. And I'm very, very lucky to be able to say that I work there. I feel like it's a, it's a common theme, whether it's being a, an automotive journalist or being an automotive technician or doing anything, honestly, in, in the world is kind of dealing with that, like, the negativity dealing with people like whether it's because of your opinion or whether it's because you're a girl or whether it's because of whatever that they're giving you negative feedback um and kind of finding that way to be yourself and be confident and, and do you and and do it well 
Um, how, what's your advice for other people and how did you like, how did you cope with that and how did you get over and overcome that? I don't know if it was just Jalopnik or not, but the commenters never really gave me a hard time for being a not white man. Um, because there's a lot of just white men in this industry and I think that should be different. <laughs> Agreed. But I think the way I think the way to kind of circumvent that is just to be good at what you do um, and don't go out of your way to be mean. I think it's very easy to go out of your way to be mean and petty just for the sake of snarkiness on the Internet. And that's there's a time and a place for that. Um, there's a time and a place to be mean to to the little. But I think a general rule is to always punch up and never punch down. Um, you know, if a major corporation, major automaker is doing something that, you know, could severely endanger the public or is deeply uncool, of course, we're going to call it out. But if it's like, you know, some random person who, you know, did a dumb mod to their car and you don't like it, there's no reason to call them out on a giant national platform like that. So understand that you have responsibility. The bigger the audience you write for, the more responsibility you have. And what you say matters and how you present yourself and your subject matter matters. <laughs> and um, having that integrity, I think, is important. And also being correct and knowing when to fight and when to not fight is also important. Because <laughs> you've developed, like, and, and I don't, I haven't seen your early writing, so I don't know if this has kind of always been the way, but you have kind of this this fun, playful, snarky, witty way of of handling talking about cars and talking about whatever you're reviewing and it's not necessarily the standard or stereotypical like dry automotive i i don't like boring internet um <laughs> i'm just like i'm just like a regular reader if something doesn't grab me in the first few paragraphs i'm not gonna finish it i might like scroll and kind of skim and if you know a word jumps out at me i'll read it or for like a, there's a cool photo but if you don't grab me immediately i'm not going to read it so i apply the same rule to my own writing and i try not to make automotive writing dry and boring and for other automotive enthusiasts because that doesn't help anyone we're always trying to reach out to people who might not just be enthusiasts we don't want to gatekeep so a way to do that is to make your writing as broadly interesting to as many people as you can. Um, and one of the ways I've found that that works is to make it funny. People like entertainment on the internet. Uh, so whatever I can do to make a topic funny, more relatable, that's what I'm gonna do. There it kind of is like a playbook of how to write car reviews, for example. Um, and that's very boring to me because I find <laughs> car reviews extremely boring. So if I'm gonna read something, it should be funny and you know there should be some kind of viewpoint in it that I wouldn't have thought of before. And that's what the challenge is too, because I don't want to get up every day and write a car review and just regurgitate, you know, the the layout and then go home at the end of the day. I don't want to do that. I want to kind of challenge myself. And the hardest thing actually in what I do right now is writing something that's original about a car that is very boring. When people, when people ask me about this job, they're like, oh, you just drive Lamborghinis and Ferraris every week, don't you? No, I don't. Actually, most of the time I'm sitting in front of a computer reading a press release and telling you what's in the press release. And if I do drive a car, 
sometimes it's a Lamborghini, like once a year, it's a Lamborghini. Most of the time, awesome. it's like, it is awesome. <laughs> and those, those reviews are very easy to write because it's like, ah, car fast, the end. Right. <laughs> but for, for cars like, you know, like a Toyota Corolla or a Honda Civic right. or a RAV4, what do you say about this car that is interesting and will also help the most amount of people? So you have to think about who's reading it and why they're reading it. Most people who are reading a RAV4 review are probably thinking about buying one. Right. So if I get into a RAV4, I'm going to be like, okay, what does a consumer want? Do they want to put stuff in it? They don't care about how fast it is. They don't. They don't care about the 0 to 60 time. They want to know if they can see out of it, if it's easy to park, if they can put all their stuff in it, if they can fit their friends in it, if totally. it's, you know, how it is on the highway and things like that. So I have to tailor what I look out for in each car to who is reading so that's, I hope that was like an answer to your question. It's kind of long-winded. No, I love it. I, I don't even remember what my question is, but I think it was a fantastic answer. Nonetheless, <laughs> all really good information. I think it is interesting because it is, it's, it's hard to, to talk about, you, you get, you, you talk to some people and they're like, oh, that car is not that fast. I'm like, well, that's, that's not the purpose of that car, right? Like not everything is supposed to be a Lambo. <laughs> The other thing is, and I'll use the um, I'll use the Subaru Crosstrek as an example. Okay. So the Subaru Crosstrek, wonderful all-around car, looks good, high ground clearance, fits stuff, reliable, great. And one of the big problems that a lot of automotive journalists have with it is they like they over and over again, oh, it's slow, it's slow, it's slow, it's slow. I'm like, the thing is, for everyone who reads that. All automotive journalists are used to driving cars with 500 horsepower. Right. So, of course, everything is going to feel totally. slow. Take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> totally. Yes, it's all perspective. Like, people will ask me, like, what, what car should I buy? I'm like, uh, what do you, what do you want it to do? <laughs> that's, that's the worst question, by the way, because how many of them actually listen to you? No, none. None. None of them? No. <laughs> all they want is the... They want it. They they want to hear you say the car that they have in their brain. Totally. <laughs> and if they don't hear it, they're like, "Hmm, interesting." And then they go and buy the car that they have in their brain. Okay, so I'm gonna do the same thing to you though, because I'm an asshole like that. So, a daily driver car, top daily driver car choice, and top like dream car if time and money were no issue and I could have anything I wanted in my garage. What would be your well, for my life right now, um, I have no children and no pets. So really impractical little cars are perfectly fine for me. Nice. Um, I just got out of driving a Lotus Evora GT and I have not been able to stop thinking about it. Really? Yeah, I really have. Like, this, this sounds really stupid and jaded, but it's like... I drove a McLaren GT right after the Lotus, right? Oh my God, McLaren, you know, big, like motherfucker doors and everything. Yeah. Awesome. So fast. And like, I was driving it. I was like, I don't really like this. Really? There's nowhere to put it. There's nowhere to put anything. It's really big. It's not meant to be practical, Kristen. <laughs> I like practical. I like practicality. But the funny thing is the Lotus is the least practical car in the whole world. Totally. It's so small. And like the, the trunk is right over the exhaust. So whatever you put in there gets super hot. Yeah. It's so bad, but there are back seats. So you can put a purse back there. It's already more practical than McLaren. A purse. But whole, That's not a back seat. When you can put a purse in it, does not make it a back seat. Shelf. Okay. Cubby. Thank you. 
Well, I fit in it. I do actually. Well, you're you're wee little. <laughs> I know you have to be little, but I like the Lotus so much because it's a 2020 car, but also it's not 2020. It's like got 2009, if not older, tech in it. So yeah. it's like hydraulic steering and it's like a six-speed manual and a supercharged v6 or my camry yeah. so you know it's not gonna break down that is the true. rest of it will the rest of it will but the engine will the engine will be fine oh my god and it's just it's little it's not any more than it needs to be i think cars right now are too big too complicated so electronic that lotus was none of that it was yeah. so analog to the point where it was hilarious right. um one of the like the gas gauge looked like it was like 8-bit resolution it was like amazing in a 2020 vehicle. I drove one once, it was a number of years ago, back we did a, a Lotus episode on Old Girls Garage, and I just, I felt like I was in a go-kart. Yeah, it's great. No! <laughs> it's great. <laughs> and also, no one's gonna steal that car because no one can drive it. That is true, that is true. But getting in and out of a Lotus over, over the years, I feel like would get really, or even over the weeks, <laughs> keeps you young keeps you young <laughs> so is that your choice for dream car and daily driver then i can't think of like all right let me think daily driver um like practical car because you review stuff from all the way from like regular sedans all the way up to brand new lambos so everything in between so what if for like the average driver, the average consumer, regular commuter vehicle. I really like the new Corolla hatchback actually. Nice. Cause you can, you can get it in manual. It looks sharp. Nice. I remember when I first, I first saw the current gen Corollas, I was like, Ooh, shit. That's the new Corolla. That's dope. And then they're like, Oh, by the way, it comes in a six speed manual and as a hatchback. I was like, sold, sold. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I agree. I'm all about that Toyota life. I, I hate to admit it because I'm supposed to be the BMW girl, but I am kind of all about that Toyota life. Oh, we have to talk to Faye about that. I know. I know. <laughs> but I am with you just, on like modern technology. Like I, like you said, like 2002 and newer is kind of like yeah. your sweet spot, right? Like that is, that is 100% me as well. Like I know the new stuff. And I think that's why like the old school technology in the Lotus, I'm like, Ooh, God, eighties. <laughs> well, for you though, who's into like fixing it, do you find that new cars are way harder to fix? Cause they're packaged more tightly. There's more electronics to deal with and everything. I don't know. I mean, I feel like little hands are definitely a benefit when you're working on newer cars because everything is so compact and tightly put in there. But I like the challenge of newer cars and I feel like they're they're easier to work on in some ways because you have a way to talk to it, right? Like mm -hmm. we had ways with older cars to talk to the car and talk to the engine, but it was more like intuitive. It was like, let me feel it and listen to it and, and be one with the engine and try to <laughs> diagnose it, right? But like now I have a thing that I can plug in and it can at least give me a direction to go in. And it's, I don't know, I like the puzzle of it. I like the, like, hunting it down and figuring it out. There's just something really cool about it. I wish we lived closer to each other because <laughs> last year I took my car into the mechanic. I was like, there might be something wrong with the AC. He's like, if there is something wrong with the AC, I ain't touching it. I was like, seriously? He's like, oh, I don't mess with German air conditioning systems. Really? I was like, okay.
Weird. <laughs> you're letting you're letting a few hundred dollars just walk out the door. That's fine. Yeah, I find it interesting. There's a lot of people I I find technicians who are afraid of of German engineering, and I I think it's just what you're used to, right? Like when I work on a Chevy or a Ford, I'm like, that's weird. Why do they do it that way? Like, because I'm just not as familiar with it as I am with European stuff. But there's this fear of them, like they're so foreign, and I find them easier. I find German cars way easier to work on than American cars, but maybe it's just comfort level. I don't know. Hmm. Might have to move to Arizona just to be your neighbor then. I think you should. What do you drive? <laughs> I have that C32 that my dad started with. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's. I I took it to California when I went to school there. I put it on. A, I I loaded it up to the roof with stuff, and I put it on a truck because I wasn't driving it. And I took it to California. And it lived there with me for two years while I was in college. And then it came back to the East Coast and now it lives in New York City with me. That's awesome. I love it. And like, knock on wood, everyone's like, oh, you have an aged German car. That's like a death sentence. You're going to be drowning in repair bills. I'm like, I'm not, though. The car's been in the family since new. We're very uh, good about checkups and maintenance and everything. That The whole, like, oh, German cars are unreliable. That is a myth. You I just agree. have to maintain it. I it's all agree. maintenance. I agree. I agree. Cheers to that. Absolutely. Everything comes down to maintenance. And that's the thing. People don't like doing maintenance. No, it's, it's literally, you know, an ounce of prevention is, you know, so on and so forth. It's like, get your oil changed, listen to it when it starts making weird noises, winterize it if you have to, like, wash it, wash it. Oh, my God. The other thing that I was known for at Jalopnik was the girl who would was crazy about like washing their car because there's oh. a few staffers who are like, Oh, it rained yesterday. That counts as washing. I'm like, no, you need soap. Okay? Like guilty. <laughs> guilty as charged. Okay, another reason we why you need to move to Arizona. I can be your mechanic yeah. and you could make me keep my car clean. But also you live in Arizona. Like whenever you want to look for parts or like a used car in Arizona car is the best because there's no rust. Maybe there's some sun damage. Yeah, no, we don't have no rust. rust. Our Arizona is amazing for old cars because we don't have rust at all. But on the flip side, our paint goes to hell and anything rubber, belts, hoses, batteries go immediately. Like, yeah. So there's a flip side. It was interesting working in New York because I worked in at Manhattan BMW and then I worked uh, in Freeport, Long Island at another BMW dealership. And uh, we dealt with suspension problems all day long. Like that was- oh. From our beautiful infrastructure Your that we have. Amazing roads, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we dealt with suspension all day long, and then I moved out to Arizona, and they didn't like never did suspension stuff, but we were doing things that I never did back east. It was all the belts and the hoses and the, all this stuff that that just didn't go bad back east. So it's, it's totally different issues that the cars have depending on where you're at. I, um, my very, very first track day was in college. It was at Big Willows, like an open track day. You pay like 200 bucks and you show up in your own car. So I brought my Mercedes with me. I was like 20 nice. and I was dumb, very dumb. <laughs> oh, it was so bad. I didn't do any checks beforehand. I just showed up, which is so ill-advised. Don't do that. No, you guys. do that. Do, just dive do into whatever you're going to you do. Gotta, you got to check. You got to check stuff. Check your levels. Check your whatever. I didn't check any. I just showed up. So I, um, I spun out, and it ripped the tire off the wheel. Oh. All things considered, was not the worst thing that could have happened. Totally. 
So I limped it back to the pit and I was like, I have a spare, but I don't have a jack. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And if you've ever been on a track day, everyone there is so helpful and so nice. And also they saw a girl in distress. So they like came over like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Right. I was like, I need to like get this tire changed. I have a spare in the trunk, but I don't have a jack. And also I'm very distraught. And they're like, oh, we'll do it. <laughs> and also I'm very distraught. <laughs> Did I mention how distraught I am? Oh, I was just sitting there looking sad because I hurt my car. It was real. It was very real. It was in the theater. And so these very nice men jacked up the car, changed the tire. But while they had it jacked up and the tire was off, he was looking around. He's like, are you from the East Coast? I was like, why? He's like, there's some rust down here. And California cars don't have that. I was like, oh, don't tell me that. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> if I don't see it, it's not there. Rust is real. It's dangerous. It's horrible. It's a, it's an interesting thing because in the in Arizona, like we don't. I owned a repair shop for thirteen years, and we, like, we never had to tell people that their car was too far gone to be repaired. Whereas I have friends who have shops on the East Coast, and they would regularly have to tell customers, "Your car's in great mechanical shape, but the body is rusted through, and it's gonna fall apart, and it is not worth putting money into it. Like it is Swiss cheese, and it is not safe. Like that's a real thing that happens, and it's awful. that breaks my heart. I'm having some rust issues on the Mercedes. It's only on the doors. It's on like, it's along the bottoms mm -hmm. of the doors. So it's not structural or anything. It just will look bad in a few years. Yeah. And I took it to like three different shops. I'm like, what can you do about this? And they're like, it's through the whole panel. There's nothing we can do about this. So what you can do is you can get replacement doors. I was like, replacement doors? From where? They're like, try to source them from Arizona. I'm like, by the time the door gets here and you repaint it and you attach it, like, it's going to be more than the car is worth. Yeah. So now I'm like a little old lady. Whenever there's like any sort of moisture outside, I'm like, no, 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 we're not going inside. We're not going outside. <laughs> we're going to wait till the sun's out. And now that it's winter and there's salt everywhere, I'm like, no one's seeing this car until spring. Yeah, no, that's smart. That's a good thing to do. Keep it, keep it clean. Make sure your undercoating is good and keep it out of the salt. <laughs> yeah, every time in the winter, every time I bring it in for a wash, I check the box for the undercarriage spray because that's a thing that a lot of people forget. And afterwards, I hand dry the bottoms of the doors. Wow. So the rust doesn't get worse because I am crazy and I don't want any more rust. You take better care of your car than I take care of mine. It's a it's a battle, dude. You've lived here. This city hates cars. It does. It does. It's like raises a war on them. I know. I can't imagine being a mechanic in New York anymore. Like having done it for a couple of years, I yeah. You I, make I, a killing I, in the winter, though, right? From busted wheels and suspension, you make a killing in the winter. Oh, from totally. But there is nothing yeah. worse than pulling a car in that's been sitting out in the snow. It's cold. The tools are cold. Everything is freezing. Your skin is freezing to the tools. And then you lift up the car, and there's salty water dripping down your arms. Like, there's nothing good. There's nothing good about that. <laughs> no, it's not. I know. I know. It's bad. I'm only here because the work is here yeah. and my family's here. That's like really the only reason. <laughs> so how does that, so you're doing car reviews. You said a lot of times it's like, it's reading press releases and doing reviews from that, but you're also doing a lot of drives and a lot of like testing vehicles. I feel like 
in my mind, that's not an East Coast thing, but. Well, when there when there's not pandemic, um, there is like travel and stuff um, for like, depending on what car you, you're testing out. Um, so sometimes there's like a track portion if it's like a tracky car and they'll take you to the racetrack and try it out. Um, but, you know, now that there's been pandemic, it's just, you know, local events and driving the cars around familiar spots, which kind of is challenging because there's not a whole lot of good driving roads around New York. Uh, so that's been a challenge of mine. And also because I've been staying local, all of my reviews are starting to look the same because it's all the same photo right. areas. You're like, I have these so two I've, roads to choose from. That's all I got. I know. It's stretching my creativity to the limit to make the background look different. I'm sure no one else in the world notices, but I right. notice. Right. That's what matters. <laughs> Aw, someone just said that you're one of the best automotive journalists around. That's sweet. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. It's always fun because there's like always names and, and pages that I have not interacted with in the past. So each time I have a new guest, there's like people who I haven't seen before. And it's like always like the cheerleaders of the people who, who are on. And it's always really nice to see all like the love that comes out. Like there's been a couple like Kristen's amazing. Kristen's the best. <laughs> it's awesome. I saw I actually saw my boyfriend. He, he like wrote a message Aww. and it was like typical of him. Very like, oh, this is cool, I guess. I'm like, all right, that's great. <laughs> I don't know if he's still watching, but I was like, okay, I see. I saw that. <laughs> That's amazing. So, okay. So let's talk more career stuff. Um, and, and just like the, the advice side of things. So getting, getting to where you're at, like, what do you think the, the key factors have been in your ability to be successful and to get where you're at in, in a relatively short amount of time. Like you're, you're not that old, clearly you haven't been around like all that long, but you've achieved a ton. Like what's, what do you think the secrets are? Oh God, you're making me blush. Um, <laughs> the secrets, it's, it's tough. I feel like I got really lucky in a lot of this, but also I know that, I'm, it's, you know that lame saying like luck is opportunity and it's luck is when opportunity and, and like preparedness meet, right? Mm -hmm. And I, from as soon as I decided I wanted this as a career, I aimed everything that I had towards this job. Um, and that was all the free time I had. Instead of going out with my friends, I was in my dorm room uh, fixing up my blog and writing a car review. I was not being paid to write. Uh, I was not being paid to shoot. And I could not sell to anybody, but it was important to me that I practice this and get it out there. And it's, you know, cold emailing people and asking them to help you is, is difficult. Because wh why, why would they help you? Why would they even pay attention to you? So like doing that was difficult, but after they start helping you, it's like maintaining those relationships. And I managed to get like two of those editors were like, oh, you know, I, I, we hung out a couple of times and you know, they were like, oh, she's not a psycho. She actually is like serious about this. So they're like, oh, you know, the, the auto show is coming up. Um, so, you know, we'll kick you a media pass and you go for media day. And I was like, oh, you know, I've got like class that day. It's kind of important that I don't miss class. I wound up cutting class like two days in a row to go to the auto show and like 
network my ass off and hand out business cards and just get to know people. That's kind of the thing with this industry is like, it's so small that it really does kind of matter who you know, because they'll help you. And that's what's really important is getting your foot in the door. The hardest part of, of getting this job was getting my foot in the door. I tried so many different things. Like I tried making YouTube videos and I tried writing blogs and I tried meeting people in person. I tried begging and asking for uh, internships. And I took a blogging job that paid $12 an article <laughs> to just have a byline. Wow. And I volunteered to go shoot events and like all this stuff. I cast out like hundreds of lines and you only need one to work to get in. But finding that one is the hardest thing. And when you find that one, it's not like your job is over. You know, you have to keep working at it and you have to kind of establish yourself as a different voice. You can't be telling stories that everyone's telling and your stuff can't look like everyone else's stuff because the, the industry is small, but it's also very, very saturated. You know, there's a lot of stories about, uh, you know, the Ford v. Ferrari thing and like Mustang, Mustangs versus Camaros and all that. Like that story has been written. So what else can you bring to the table? The great thing about this industry is it is full of people and writing human interest stories is always more interesting than publishing like your ratios. So I think being able to tap into that has been helpful and just like not thinking that you know everything. Like I've been doing this for <laughs> eight years now and I don't assume that I know too much that I should stop asking questions. You should always ask questions and know that there's always something new to learn and be open to having your mind changed about stuff. I love that. That And that's so true. And I think that goes across like all career paths. Like we, we, I mostly talk with trades ladies here, but I think like the lessons still apply, right? Like going after it, networking, it's who, you know, combined with what, you know, like all of that stuff is all still incredibly relevant. And I, and I, I always used to tell my employees when they, when I would hire new people is my number one cardinal sin rule is don't let your ego get in the way of your intelligence. No one is too good for any job yeah. at all. Like if you, if you think you're too good for a job, then like, what are you still doing then here? What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> Sorry. You should be able, you should be ready to do every single aspect of this job because it will all help your end goal. All of it, even if it doesn't feel like it at the moment. Yeah. Amen to that. Cheers. <laughs> I, I, I'm almost out, but cheers. Also, I wore a choker for you. Oh, you did that for me? <laughs> yeah. Aww, yay. I remember the conversation. I was like, wait, I do have something from the 90s. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. I also, for you, because we talked about it in our episode or nobody's going to see this part because it was like the off-camera part, but we talked about my crochet. <gasps> yeah. Oh, I love the color. So this is like my big scrumfy. <laughs> I love it so much. It's, it's so snowy and so cold right now. Yes. And that's what I want. Right? Absolutely. You should put some armholes in it and make like a bogey snowy. Ooh. That's a good idea. I like yeah. that. Okay, so there's been a ton of comments, and I have to ask about this. Everybody's saying Fancy Kristen. It's all about <laughs> Fancy Kristen. So what's Fancy Kristen? Oh, my God. Okay, Fancy Kristen is a joke. <laughs> so to my point where I was like most of the, my job is sitting in front of a computer and writing press releases, 
Um, writing press releases is largely very boring because it's like, oh, company does thing. Why do I care? Okay, this is mildly interesting. How do we make it so that readers care? And sometimes uh, companies will do press releases that are over the top and very stupid. And it always annoyed me when outlets just like wrote this up like straight. You know, uh, the example I use is um, I don't want to like burn any automaker. So like a, <laughs> an automaker that rhymes with a bull's voice will do a product where they're like, oh, here's um, here's a $10,000 champagne chest with our logo stamped on it. And like all the other outlets would be like, oh, bull's voice unveils new champagne chest for $10,000. Here's how you keep your champagne cool. Maybe you can put some Dom in it. And I'm like, well, fuck that. That's stupid. Why are we, why are we playing this at face value? This is ridiculous. And, and it should be called out as such. So right. originally Fancy Kristen was just like a reaction to this. And I would just lean into how like rich and snobby these people are. And like, that's how I would write the press release. And then it like really took off with readers because it was a, it was an eat the rich kind of way, but like not right. so like up, up front eat the rich. It yeah. was very much like painting the rich in like a horrific light that could, it can only be funny and satirical. And like the readers really, really liked it. So she kind of became a persona. Interesting. Um, and it was just vague enough that readers could kind of fill in their own, you know, storyline where they wanted. Right. And so you know, if a reader saw something else that I had not written about, but like it would probably appeal to Fancy Kristen, they would say like, oh, Fancy Kristen probably has 16 of those. And then like someone underneath would comment like, oh yeah, if she let people live after seeing them, like stuff like that. It's like, <laughs> they just like ran with it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you have an alter really ego. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. And you know, at the time my boss, Patrick's like, we should make this like a, like a weekly feature. I was like, no, 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 no. It's gotta be organic. It's gotta just like, show up when you least expect it because right. then it's kind of like a treat and he's like do you want to make it a video series i was like no absolutely not absolutely not and here's why she works best when she lives in here as soon as we we give her an accent or a right. voice or a way of talking or a costume the mystique goes away right so it's best as supplemented by your own imagination makes sense um and it was it also speaks to like jalopnik's incredible freedom where i can just write like that like there was one where um i think the headline was like i got thrown out of the pebble beach conquerors d'elegance again and fancy kristen had been thrown out because she took a submarine to the conquerors d'elegance and like tried to come up to the beach and then tried to buy all of the cars and then threatened to shoot everybody with torpedoes if they like didn't comply. And then they like called the Navy on her. So she's like, okay, fine. I will take my submarine and go elsewhere. And like, she retreats back into the water. It was just like insane <laughs> stuff like that. But the best thing was I'm not a journalism major. I didn't major in journalism. I majored in like creative writing. So like making shit up was what I I was Majored gonna in? say, I was gonna ask you that. <laughs> so like, it was just, it was literally like, make a narrative up. Right. And that adheres slightly to reality. It was, it was, it was great fun. And like, people loved it. Apparently, because like, everybody has brought it up who's been in the comments. They, they love, they love Fancy Kristen. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's like... <laughs> Really, the most ridiculous thing. Like, I didn't think people were gonna like it, and then they like they liked it. It totally. started 
because I don't know if you ever see those press releases for like really fancy stuff. They always have like models, like a like a yacht, for example. There's right. always like a model just kind of standing there, and like she looks like she's in pain, but she's like looking right. off really far away. The the typical model look, yeah. <laughs> right, and so I would like post that photo and be like, "Here's me on my yacht," and there was like another photo. So I'm like, "Here's my friend." Well, actually, he's my fake friend because I don't have real friends. Because who needs real friends? I pay him. That's amazing. I love it. It was like you just like lean into the character, right? And it was great. That's fantastic. Has has Business Insider been a switch for you since it's like a very different personality than Jalopnik is? Yes. Um, so that does not fly, Business Insider. <laughs> so no <laughs> At all. anymore. No. But that's fine because that's you know that's not that's not their shtick, and their shtick is uh, a lot more like a little more serious. Um, I think uh, for me being there, they like that I bring more of a voice and a perspective to things. So I've been able to kind of like push with that a little more. Um, recently, I wrote a story about um, camping out in a roof tent on top of a Kia Telluride. And for that one, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to let loose. I'm just going to write it like I would write a Jalopnik story. And it did really well. And the editors were like, oh, um, the voice was really good in this story. So I was like, okay, I'll just keep doing that then. Um, nice. You know, that seems to engage with readers. So I think we're kind of like learning a little both from each other. Like I'm learning how Business Insider wants things done and like how to appeal their, their audience. And I am bringing a little bit of how I have appealed to my audience to them. So hopefully it will work out. I love it. Very cool. So Instagram's going to kick us off in four minutes because we have a, okay. we have an hour time limit. So most importantly, I want to make sure that we get out how people can find you, how people can follow you, how people can find your writing and support you. So go. The easiest way is actually through Instagram. Um, I post, uh, I primarily do review writing now. So I post a lot of photos and reviews. If you like pretty pictures, this is the place to do it. I'm um, also on Twitter. So it's just really easy. It's just my name at Kristen Lee. Um, there's a lot more ship posting there. So if you like ship posting and video game takes, that's where that is. All right. And there's been a question about whether there's gonna be more video review type stuff or whether you prefer the writing I like both. I, I honestly like both. It's tough for me to say because I joined Business Insider during pandemic. So I don't know if they still want video reviews. Mm. But as soon as video or as soon as the pandemic ends, I will be asking them if they want more video work. Do you like that's the best answer I can give? Do you like doing the video work? I do. I do. I think it's easier for people to engage with me that way. Um, and kind of see what I'm about. Because, you know, things get lost in translation when you read them. So, and also cars are so interactive. Sometimes you just have to show people stuff. Like, there's, how many times have you, like, been next to a car and you're like, oh, no, no, come here, come here, show this. Right. I want you to see this. Like, this noise that it makes or, like, uh, the, the way the sounds. Yeah, you or have to hear it and see it and feel it. Yeah, there's so many things that just, like, a photo and words cannot convey. Yeah. So, I hope to return to video stuff. Nice. Very cool. And in the last few minutes... If you could go back and give yourself, past you, child you, any advice, what would it be? Stop drawing. <laughs> Don't draw anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You're that like bad. There was, huh? 
I was, it was that bad. There was a solid time where I was like, I could look at Savannah College of Art and Design, could look at like, um, what's the one in California? It's like the art design, art college design. I forget what the words are, but it's like the big automotive design school. Oh, I don't, know. don't look at those schools, just focus on writing. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna interpret that as focus on your strengths. Yes. <laughs> know what you're good at. That's amazing. I love it. Well, in the last few moments, I want to thank you for joining me. It's been a blast getting to hear your story and getting to chat with you a little bit more. When you get done with this, I need you to message me your address so I can send you a happy hour thank you glass. And oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening and hearing her story. And then make sure you go and check out her page. Follow her. Give her some love. Give her some support. Check out what she's doing at um, Business Insider and everywhere else that she is, of course. And then, of course, make sure you tune in next week for another awesome lady joining me for happy hour. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Be good. Bye, guys. Good night.